We're so excited to have all of you here. What a beautiful sight, both in first service and second service, to have this stage full of our seniors. And you see, today we're in the middle of a series called The Story. And our goal as a church, and I'm sure our parents and grandparents, all of our goal has been to teach the story. But this morning, what I want to challenge our seniors about is to trust the story. Because the story will answer the big questions about life. Why did God create me? What's my purpose here? Where does all of this end? Why is life often so difficult? We have some guests here today from Vaughn Park because there was a bomb threat. That's the kind of world we live in. Would you welcome those guys and thank them for coming over and being with us this morning? I mean, we have all of these challenges because we understand the story. If you don't get the story, you don't get that. And and today, we get to the third chapter of the story. We've talked about creation. We talked about the fall. And today, we get to Israel. And Israel is called by God a light to the nations. Guys, Israel is a very minor country. It's the size of New Jersey. In fact, when Moses described God's calling, he said, the Lord did not set his effects on you and choose you because you are more numerous than other people, for you were the fewest of all people. They would not be a top draft pick. They're the Will Levis of countries. Anybody watch that the other day? They're the Will Levis of countries. They're just sitting there hoping to be picked. And here's the crazy thing. God picks them first. And so this morning, we're going to talk about a few different things. First of all, we're going to talk about you know, what was God's purpose. I'm going to call those the billboards. Second, we're going to talk about this cycle of sin that they caught themselves in. And the last part of the message, we're going to talk about, and I'm so excited about this, why we can break in Jesus the cycle of sin. Let's first of all talk about billboards. Let me show you what I consider some funny billboards. We'll see if you do or not in just a second. Show the first billboard. Those are actually two billboards together. You got Jesus, beefy, cheesy, glory. That's pretty, pretty sad, isn't it, okay? Uh, show the next billboard. Some of us would belong on the right size, right? Time for Silverman's Fitness Center. And oh, I love this one with the toilet paper ring. Let's go. Anybody need a modium? And then this is my very favorite. Watch this one. Your wife is hot. Better get your AC fixed. Because I love billboards. And guys, when it comes to Israel, God had some really bold billboards that he wanted to show. He had a purpose behind this nation. I mean, he could have gone from creation, fall to Jesus, but he decides to have this period we call Israel. Here's where it starts. Genesis chapter 12. He's talking to Abram, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. Here we go. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Guys, Israel wasn't just about Israel. It was about being a blessing to other people. So what are some of these billboards? First of all, God keeps his promises. We see back here in Genesis chapter 12, God doesn't start with a nation. He starts with a person. 
But he says through Abraham, things are going to explode, and all nations, certainly through Jesus, will be blessed. God keeps his promises. If if you're reading Genesis, you probably remember that crazy scene we talked about a couple months ago in Genesis 15, where God makes this, this covenant with Abraham. Now, you remember, in that day, they had a really weird way of making an agreement. They would cut animals in half, split them, make an aisle, and then you would walk through the aisle, and here's what you were promising. If I don't keep my promise, may I be like the animals between, that I'm between. Now, remember in Genesis 15, we had that crazy story. Abraham never walked between the animals. God did. What was God saying? Whether you keep your promises in covenant or not, I, God, will. That's our first billboard. And then second, God's character is holy. Something you and I don't have the benefit of is understanding the pagan gods that surrounded Israel. Man, their view of life was so different than Israel's. Their view of God, their commands were different. Their commands were based on vengeance and retribution. Gods in the heavens who got in the fight and threw down some laws. Our God, the one true God, his laws are based on justice and love and mercy. Listen to what Moses said about this, Deuteronomy 4. See, I've taught you decree and laws as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you're entering to take possession of. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, Here's what God wanted them to say. Surely this great nation is wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as the body of laws I'm setting before you today? You see, God's character was so holy But also, he wanted the billboard to say, God's way works. What he wanted Israel to do is in the midst of all these nations is to show when you follow God's commands and decrees, your life is better. But, you know, and I know, they had a big problem. And the problem is they couldn't keep the laws and decrees. They, They failed at that. And so here's the final billboard. And this is the one that you and I should cherish the most. Israel said through their life, we need a Savior. You see, guys, what the law proved was that nobody could actually keep the law. Here's what the Old Testament said. Do this and you'll live. As long as you do the right thing, avoid the wrong things, you're going to be okay. Here's the big problem. Nobody could keep it perfectly. And so everybody is in a problem. We need a Savior. So it pointed toward God. Now, if you would, if you're doing screens with me for just a second, go back and let's show this in Romans chapter 3, verse 19, where he tells us the purpose of the law and the beauty of Jesus. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given. For the purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. 
the law simply shows how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a, ma- a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God, not by keeping the law, guys. Listen to what he says. By placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. The law proved we needed a Savior. That was a good thing because everything in the old law pointed toward Jesus. Everything in our generation points back to Jesus. He's our hope. Now, why did they need that? Because they could not escape this crazy sin cycle. I'm about to read a a rather lengthy passage to you. I want you to stay with me here. But it, it shows the sin cycle that Israel was called up in. And I, I think as you read it, you might say, I'm tempted to be in the same thing. Listen to this passage from Judges chapter 2. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baals. They abandoned the Lord the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them. And they angered the Lord. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal, the images of Asherah. This made the Lord burn with anger against Israel. So he handed them over to raiders who stole their possessions. He turned them over to enemies all around. And they were no longer able to resist them. Every time Israel went to battle The Lord fought against them, causing them to be defeated just as he had warned. And the people were in distress. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge over Israel, he was with that judge and rescued the people from their enemies throughout the judge's lifetime. For the Lord took pity on his people who were burdened by oppression and suffering. But when the judge died, the people returned to their corrupt ways behaving worse than those who had lived before them. They went after other gods, serving and worshiping them, and they refused to give up their sinful ways. And they are they're stuck in their sinful ways. Now, let me try to explain that. Let, let, let's look at what I'm going to call Israel's sin cycle. Okay, I think you see it in these verses. It always starts off, they, they, they're doing okay, and then they fall into disobedience. I mean, what the passage says here is they forgot God, and they forgot what God had had, said. And so they just start doing what they want to do. And then after disobedience, they they fall completely into a state of um, absolute disaster. I mean, sometimes the disaster is brought on because the consequences of their sins. Sometimes the disaster is brought on because God actually brings judgment on them. He actually works with their enemies to discipline them. Now, why would he do that? Because he wants them to get to the top box here, which is distress. They finally, in their distress, say, oh, my goodness, we have so royally messed up life. God, we've got to have you. And you know what they do? The Bible says this. If you read your Old Testament, you hear this over and over. They cried out to the Lord. Say that with me. They cried out. Oh, God, you guys are so dead. Can we, can we say this like they would have? They cried out to the Lord. Say it again. They cried out to the Lord. Listen, friends, that's always the turning point. When they finally lived in a disaster 
and they know it's not going to work, they cry out to God. And God, who never gives up on them, God delivers them. And then they live a few years pretty good. And then they go back in disobedience. And here's what they do, guys. You see the button in the middle. They repeat over and over again. You ever read these stories and get so frustrated? Right now I'm reading through the Old Testament in my quiet time. And my, it, it's, just, it's just a cycle. If you're reading the book of Judges, this cycle go on, goes on for 400 years. Just over and over again. By the time we get to the last verse of the book of Judges, it sums it up this way. Everybody did what they felt like doing. What does that sound like? Anybody want to agree with me that sounds like America today? We, 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 just, do, we, we just do whatever we want to do. And it brings back that cycle. And so sometimes I look at that and I'm just like, How, my, come on, guys, get your act together. I'm, tire, I'm tired of reading the same story over and over again. And if I'm not careful, I get a little cocky. Because you, you would agree with me. We can't get cocky because that's the story of many of our lives. How many of us, you know, we go through this cycle over and over again, and it humbles us, and that's what brings us to Jesus. So I challenge you, if, if what I'm saying here today fits what you're going through right now, man, could today be the turning point? So here's what I want to get to. Let's get to the good news. We've seen the reason Israel was created. We've seen the disaster that played out in this crazy going own cycle. So listen to what Romans 8 says, because uh, stay with me for a second. Romans chapter 7, the apostle Paul confesses he was in this cycle. Whether that was currently or in his previous life, I'm not real sure. But he's been in this cycle. And so when we turn the corner to Romans chapter 8, he tells us how we get out of the cycle. Look at Romans 8 verse 1. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you all free from the law of sin and death. So here's the good news today I want to close with. We can break the cycle. If that cycle looked familiar to you, I want to tell you, under the new covenant, man, we have so many advantages. I want to give you four advantages that we have as Christians that they did not have, at least to the extent that we have, so that we can break that, that cycle. Number one, we are motivated by Jesus' love. Guys, understand, the old law was a law system, okay? That's not to say there wasn't some love there, but it is to say it was basically based, your righteousness is based on whether you kept the law good enough or not. Some of us have actually grown up in churches that were more Old Testament Christians and New Testament Christians because we based it on a law system. Now, after that, in the New Covenant, it's a love system. Now, are there laws? Are there rules? Absolutely. But the motivation is no longer if I can just, I remember a book growing up, if I can just do all the do's and avoid all the don'ts, I'll be okay. The motivation now is, oh my goodness, Jesus has brought no condemnation in my life. What do I do now to love him back? I don't want to obey the laws just on a checklist. I want to obey the laws because I love Jesus. Amen? Is that different? Let me illustrate it with this story. Years ago, there was a lady, and she got married at a young age, and the man she married 
was actually just very cruel. I mean, he was the dictator of the house. And uh, it was a, just a very unhappy marriage. In fact, this is how bad it got. Before he would go to work every day, he would leave his wife a list of things to do. And when he came back, he would go through the checklist. Any of you wives want a husband like that? I don't see any hands, okay? That'd be pretty rough, wouldn't it? Gave a checklist. Well, here's what happens. After a few years of marriage, he dies in a car wreck. And a few years beyond that, she remarries. But this time she picks much wiser, and she picks a man who loves her and treats her like the queen of his house and cherishes her. Well, a few years after that, one day she's up in the attic, and she's going through some old boxes. And she opens one box, and she's thumbing through all these old papers, and she comes across one of the old checklists that her first husband gave her. And she just, she shivered. It brought back such awful memories. She wanted just to set it down, but she decided to read it. And then the most amazing thing was revealed to her. She now was doing all the things on the checklist, but she was doing them out of love. And her marriage was great. And guys, that's a contrast between the old way and the new way between a checklist and a love system that says, you know, I want to do the right things just because I love Jesus and I love people. And so, guys, here's the the great thing what we have. I mean, go read the Sermon on the Mount. Guys, the difference in those old laws and new laws is we are motivated out of our mind by a God who went all the way to a cross for us. I don't want to hurt him. As Hebrews would say, I don't want to nail him to the cross all over again. That's number one. Number two. We're shaped by the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit was always around. But the Holy Spirit dwelled in a building. We know now, under this new covenant, the Holy Spirit dwells in people. How close is God to you? He's in you. As we talk to our seniors today, you know, some of you will be going off to college. Some of you will stay here for college. Some of you are going to trade school. Some of you go straight to work. That's all cool. But the challenge is going to be, is are you going to live for Jesus? Or are you going to live into this story? Now, one thing I've found in any transition in life, there's normally a challenge to it. And often when you're transitioning to a new place or a new job, you're lonely. And, you know, I mean, most freshmen hit some point of homesickness, Right? At least tell your parents you did, okay? You'll make them, make them feel better. You hit some sense of homesickness. Now, here's the coolest thing I discovered in college. I was never alone because Jesus was right here with me. And I want you to know, wherever you go, God is with you, and you never have to be alone. And what does that spirit do? I love what I heard a man say years ago. The Holy Spirit in our life does the same thing the Holy Spirit did in the Virgin Mary's life. You go, what is that? Here it is. In the Virgin Mary's life, he formed Christ in her. That's what the Spirit does. Slowly but surely, through your life, if you will walk in step with the Spirit, you'll become more and more like him. And then number three, you're empowered by prayer to God. You see, when Jesus came, 
Our relationship with God was completely flip-flopped. We don't have to go through a priest anymore to get to God. We can go directly to God. And Jesus taught us this. He taught us that we pray in his name. I don't know about you, but I grew up, every prayer had to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. And I've done that my whole life. But for most of my life, I don't think I ever got the significance. I just thought that was the period at the end of the prayer. Until I discovered to pray in the name of Jesus is to pray in his authority. Here's the way it practically goes. When I pray in Jesus' name, what I am saying is, I'm talking to the Father as if I am Jesus. That's cool. So when you go to talk to God, he doesn't look at you and all your mess-ups. He looks at the perfection of Jesus. And because of that, you have authority on this earth to call upon God to work. Now look at our first three points. Listen to me, guys. You got the whole Trinity behind you. You've got Jesus. You've got the Spirit. You've got the Father. That's why the New Testament teaches we can overcome this cycle of sin. And then number four, I think, is so critically important. We will also have the support of the church. We're supported by the church. You know, I know church gets a bad name today. But let me tell you this. The New Testament knows nothing of someone being a Christian and not being in a church. Just not found. Now, why was something fraught with so many problems such a big deal? Listen to me. Because God knew we needed each other. You need someone to walk with you. Now, you, you high school seniors, you're going to understand this. I never did this, but you might take calculus. I would, I would avoid that. And when you start taking calculus, you're probably going to need to get in a study group. Or you may take chemistry and you need, to, you need a tutor to help you get through it. I understand that. But here's, guys, what we don't sometimes understand is when it comes to living life on mission for Jesus, I need help. And that's why God gave us each other. Now I want to demonstrate that this morning by interviewing one of our seniors. So let me call Jolie Kill up here and see if we can get these... Um, Stools real quick. Jolie is uh, one of my favorite of our seniors. She actually um, babysit my grandkids before. So I trust her greatly. And um, Jolie, come and sit over here. I just want to talk to you a little bit about what community has meant to you. And what a, what a blessing for us as a church that your family moved here. And we're so sad that they're all about to move away. Jolie is actually going to be going to, to college at Harding University. So no one say our youth ministers don't have an influence, okay? She's going to Harding University. So, Jolie, first of all, tell me, what is your favorite part of being in the youth group? Uh, there are so many things that I could say to that, but definitely something that's had a big impact on me is when we take times to, like, purposefully make connections through things like impact or retreats or even just life group because that's allowed me to form bonds that are harder to form through just one or two hours of class. So you're saying exactly what I'm trying to say, but in a better way, is that being around godly people has helped transform you, mm -hmm. not just your teenagers, but a lot of the adults in this church who've, who've poured into that. So let's get a little more specific here. Jolie, how has this helped you grow spiritually? Well, 
One way that's really made an impact on me, because so many people have poured into me, my youth ministers, my life group leaders, my fellow students, but when I came into the youth group in seventh grade, I was so scared, but there was an amazing group of older kids who really reached out to me and my friends, and they just made the transition so much easier, and they really taught me through example, the importance of showing God's love and shining Jesus' light, and also the power of praying for and with your fellow believers. Amen. That is powerful, isn't it? I'm going to ask you a little uncomfortable question, but it is our theme for the day, so i got to ask it, okay? How has this community helped you? I can't imagine you sinning, but how is your parents like, we can't. You know, Uh, how how has your community helped you overcome sin in your life? Well, Throughout my spiritual journey, I've known that the youth group is full of people who are going to be there for me, and they're going to encourage me to do the right thing, and they're going to pray for me whenever I'm struggling. And that has been a huge blessing, just to have that network of people who have been there to support me, and hopefully who I've helped support too. See, Joel, I think you, you get what, how Satan defeats us, brothers and sisters, is when he isolates us. Mm-hmm. In, in community, we can have great victory. So I want to ask you one more question. Um, Uh, leaving this church and leaving this youth group, what are you going to carry with you? Well, definitely reaching out to people like I was talking about in in the tangible way, just working really hard to show them God's love by being like salt of the earth and light of the world, like Jesus says. And that's something that was demonstrated to me and that I hope to carry on with me through college and far beyond. So So I I can't tell you um, how when you answered that way in first service, how much that thrilled my heart because the mission of this church is really simple, mm-hmm. to lead people into growing relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's what you just told me that you're going to do. Did you guys give Jolie a hand and thank her for being with us? Give me a hug. Thank you. So as we close this morning, thank you very much. Uh, as we close this morning, I, w- I want to make one more point, and I think we've all experienced this. Guys, this sin cycle will break you. I mean, it will just break you. I mean, when you just stay in this cycle of you're doing better, then you rebel, and then life's a disaster, and then you cry out to God, and he delivers you. And when you stay in that cycle, I'm telling you guys, it ends up in such frustration. I, I was here Tuesday night for Hope Inspired Ministry graduation, and, and one person said that night, bad habits are like a warm bed. They're easy to get into and hard to get out of. Can you experience that? And guys, they are. And we get stuck in them. And, and so in the long run, they're going to break you. It's, it's like saying, well, I, I don't believe in the law of gravity, so I'm just going to jump off of it. No, no, no. You're not going to break the law of gravity. The, the law of gravity is going to break you. And if you think for some reason you're the exception and you can live in rebellion toward God and you're going to break it, you're wrong. And what God's going to do, and guys, this could be for bad or if it, it could be for good, he's going to break you for bad, what would it look like? Because so often when we've gone through that cycle over and over again, some of us who are older, man, we've been in it way too long. In the long run, you just give up. You finally just face the fact that on your own, you can't stay in a good place with God. And so you've done it so many times, it's like, what the use? I mean, I just give up. I see that all around me. On the other hand, here's what I want you to know this morning. Because you may come here right now in a state of brokenness. And so either it's going to cause you to give up or it's going to cause you to look up. 
You see, most people really change in life, not when everything's going their way. Most people change, I know I've changed, when I'm finally in a place of brokenness where I say, hey, no way I can do it, man. I give up on Buddy. He's a sinful mess. But oh my goodness, Jesus, I need you. And so today, if you come with brokenness in your life, it could cut both ways. Either it's going to break you and you're going to quit or you're going to look up and you're going to find Jesus and everything's going to change in your life. But first of all, you've got to take responsibility for what's going on in that Hope Inspired Ministry graduation Tuesday night. They let every graduate get up and speak a little bit. And one of the graduates got up and I was taken aback by his first statement. He said, Hope Inspired Ministry has taught me more than anything else that I have a problem. <laughs> Boy, that's positive. Great job, Hope Inspired Ministry. But then listen to his next line. And I found out the problem was me. He said, I've spent my life blaming other people for my problem. It was my parents' fault or my friends' fault or the church's fault or God's fault. For just blaming other people. He said, when I finally came to the point where I knew I had a problem and the problem was me, I surrendered to God. And so this morning, I'm not trying to be offensive, just truthful. If you've got a problem, all of us do. Will that problem lead you to this moment where you surrender to God? In just a moment, you can begin a brand new life and be resurrected from the dead, sinful life through baptism. Have a brand new life. Or today, man, you just came here today and man, you're sitting in that pew and nobody around you knows it, but you're hurting. Man, you're broken. And before you get out of this place, if you would meet me on the front row, we are all together going to pray in the name of in the authority of Jesus for you. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, if you're sick of this sin cycle in your life, man, I hope you've heard today, Jesus has promised you freedom. If you need to come to him, come right now while we stand and sing.